church welcome. That's good. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Nice. It's a quick story. So 1997, um, in the fall, I get a call from Pastor Marlon, and we were doing an interview process. And so every time I pass this room, so the room, the first one you come to when you walk in the door here on your left, they brought me in to do an interview. And, you know, when you think of doing an, an interview for a job, you think, you know, a couple people in the room, you talk for a little bit, they kind of get a feel for you. There was like 15 people in this room. Because we can't, because Victory Life can't do anything small. And so they, uh, they were around a big table, and for two and a half hours, they shot questions at me. <laughs> I, I remember being tired. At the end, Pastor Marlon was like, can you tell me the theme of John 10? I'm like, no, I got nothing. <laughs> I mean, I've read it, but I don't know. I have any idea what it was. And see, he knew right where it was, and I was cracking up. So from that day on, I always know the theme of John 10. I went back and looked at it. I'm like, oh, I got it. You ever ask me that question again? And so we used to, um, it's funny. I don't know how many of you know Pastor Marlon, but it's Matt and AJ's dad. And he used to come in here. The sanctuary was different. But every Saturday I would walk in, and he would be setting up chairs. And I'd look at him, and I'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, you're the pastor. And he'd just be like, it's got to be done. I'm like, I know it's got to be done. I said, why don't you go sit down and give me five minutes? And I'd call, like, ten teenagers and be like, can you guys get up here? I'll buy you a pizza. We're going to set up the table. And we would. And so, uh, but I remember sitting back in that interview, and uh, after two and a half hours, I remember walking out of there. I was tired because I don't think I had any more brain power left. They'd sucked it all out. And, uh, and I was sitting in the parking lot, and I was debating, okay, God, what are you going to do with this? Um, Am I supposed to be here? Because <laughs> that question you have, you know, and you're asking God that question and you're debating, and, you know, and unfortunately God doesn't always, you know, have that voice from heaven that's like, yes, Louie, come here. Um, so I had that moment in the parking lot, and I remember sitting back there just after we were done for a little while analyzing and praying and being like, I hope, I don't know, God, what do you think? And, uh, and I'm going to get back to that moment. But hearing from God sometimes is, right, it's like, it's like a challenge. It's like a journey. You know, some people, they, have you ever met people that are just like, oh, I always hear from God, and they have like this, like, clarity all the time, you know? And then there's us. When I was at Southeastern, my first, my first week at Bible college, I go to this big church. There's 10,000 people in this church. And the pastor calls up. Every college kid in the building to the stage, which I'm an Ohio boy, so for me, I'm like, I'm like, my roommate, he's from Michigan, I know, but we beat him all the time, so it was fun. So we went up with 500 other, like, young adults. So there's 500 of us on this stage, and the, and the speaker starts to pray for everybody, you know, and he's praying, and people are... I don't know if you've ever been to Florida, but Florida's like a very emotional place. So like, so they, people just fall out all the time, you know, and it just was like the strangest thing to me. They pray and boom, boom, they're falling out. And I'm thinking, this can't be real until there's like a hundred people. And you're like, well, I'm not sure you can fake that. So 
So we were, so I was sitting in the side here, and I'm one of the 500, and I'm like, okay, God. And I'm thinking, two thoughts. Ain't nobody pushing me over, but God, if you got something for me, I'm good. You know, whatever you want to do. And I'm thinking this, I don't know what this is, but there's a whole lot of people falling out. Everyone is falling out. It's weird. And again, Ohio, like, that's not how we do church a whole lot, you know. And so I'm, and my roommate and I were standing there. And I, I've got, my, you know, because the spiritual thing to do is to raise your hand. You know, okay, you know, I'm praying my hand. I don't know what to do. I'm like, you know, kind of opening it. You're, you're thinking, here he comes. Here he comes. This is a big moment. I'm gonna, something's going to happen. And as he, as he comes, and then he, he goes. And I didn't want to open my eyes because I was like, I know that I'm the only person standing on this stage right now. And I look up, my, and I kind of like, you know, you do the eye thing, and you look, and my roommate, was he was standing, and I'm like, oh, good, there's two of us. And I open up, and we're the only two people. I'm like, God, did you, like, jump me? You know, like, woo! <laughs> and that was my intro to Bible college, <laughs> my first week, <laughs> learning to hear from God. And I entitled this message, How's Your Hearing? Because when we look at the story that you guys are reading um, through, the story of God is about hearing from him, Right? I think it's the beginning with Adam and Eve and all the way through as you get in it. And one of the key moments is this God speaks. The God of the universe speaks. Oh. Yes. Yes. God just spoke to me about our young disciples. And, and I'm so sorry, Louie. This is, this is my first mistake of 2019. So please forgive me. Do you have forgiveness in your hearts for me? Thank you. Thank you. So our young disciples can be released to go to an age-appropriate Bible study. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to me from on high. If you are visiting with us and you have a child that is kindergarten through sixth grade, uh, you can accompany them down the hallway to their age-appropriate Bible study, and perhaps they will hear more from God on their way down there. Thank you, Lord, once again for speaking to me. Now let's hear from Louie. Sorry, I got four teenagers, so changing is good. So back to the story. So we were, uh, so as you look at the Bible, you see God speaking to his people. There's always this initiative thing, right, with God. And so the story is really God's story of how he comes down here. And he meets with us, you know, first with Adam and Eve. And then it's like the story of God just constantly trying to get down here. That is the Bible, right? He starts off in heaven, but he's talking to Adam and Eve. And, he, you know, and then he moves on, and he's, now he's talking to Abraham. And then he's down, and he can't help himself, so he meets Moses. And then he, he, he takes all of his people to the wilderness where he meets them at Mount Zion, and he comes down there. And as you go through, eventually what happens? Jesus, the temple, the tabernacle, first the temple, then Jesus comes. And even at the end, when it's all done, if you read Revelation 22, what do you have? You have God, what, staying in heaven? No, he brings the whole, the whole thing down here. He brings his city down here. And it's this story of God coming down, speaking with us. The question is, a lot of times, are we listening? Can we hear him? How do we hear him? What if I don't hear him? And so I entitled this message, you know, how's your hearing? Because I want to talk to you about it. So in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're going to hit that. And if you're in your story Bible, it's, it's actually page 131. Um, we're going to start right at, at verse 1 um, and kind of go into it. And, that's where we're, and we're going to go through verse 12. 
And this is going to kind of be a chronological whole. We're just going to take this apart. So we're going to rip apart the text a little bit. And as we go, hopefully at the end of this, you'll go, oh, that's where he's headed. And so I'm going to start in just verse, just the very first part, verse Samuel 3, or 1 Samuel 3, 1. It says, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Um, in verse 2, one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in the usual place. All right? So let's unpack that for a minute. Eli is the high priest. So Pastor Matt talked about judges a couple weeks ago, and then uh, Pastor Otto mentioned the Ruth thing. Ruth is kind of a, a sidebar. It's not really in the chronological. It's kind of like this own little story out here. Um, still applies, but... Samson dies, and Eli takes his place. So if you're looking at the judges and the leaders of Israel, Samson, when he dies, Eli becomes the high priest. And he is early in his, it seems like, we don't have a lot of information, but early in his life, seems like he did hear from God. Later on, he gets, like, really crazy, and his kids are out of control. And so um, when the Bible says in, ver in the very first part here, or in verse 2, one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, that's not just physical. There's no accident here. So in the text, when the writers are talking, they're talking about something more than just physical. It's a spiritual. He wasn't seeing God anymore, right? The people of Israel, as you heard when Matt talked, the, the people of Israel would lead, they do really good when they had a judge and a leader, right? And then they'd bomb, and they did really good when they brought the next one up. So Gideon and Borah and then Samson. And like, so there was this like ebb and flow. If the leader was good, the people followed God. They listened to God. If they didn't, then they fell off the map. You get to Eli, he starts there. And then this verse, the connection between one and two, in those days the Lord of the Lord was rare. There were, were not very many visions. Is directly connected to the person who's the high priest, who's supposed to hear from God, his eyes are bad. He isn't seeing. He's weak. What is that all about? That's about him spiritually. It's a statement about where Israel is at this moment because their leader is here. He's the high priest. Um, now, Samuel, a little bit about Samuel. So Samuel, his mom in chapter 1 and 2, she's praying at the temple or the tabernacle because this is like predates the temple later on and you know first you have Saul come around and then David and then Solomon builds the temple till then they had a tabernacle and this is the house in the city that they're in right now that this is where like the tabernacle was this is where God they met God this is where they believed that God was at and so Samuel's mother Hannah comes and she's she's barren she can't have a child She's never had a child. And the Bible characters are so fascinating when it comes to this. Because, like, you have Sarah who can't have a child and finally God opens her womb. You have Rachel. You have these women who understand what it's like to not have that child and long for it. And they cry out to God. Hannah does that. And she's crying so hard. And Eli's so clueless that when he shows up and he sees her, he's like, what are you, drunk? And she's explaining. She's like, No. She's like, I'm not drunk. I've been crying. I've been pouring out my heart to God, asking him for a child because I long to be a mom, which is real and true and right, you know? And so he finally looks at her, and he's like, go ahead and go, and may God give you what you ask. And so she goes, and then a year later, Samuel shows up. 
And when Hannah was praying, she said to God, if you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. So this is the child. So after a couple years, after he's weaned, she brings him to Eli, and he literally, so the tabernacle is the place where God is at, okay? And the Ark of the Covenant is in there. And Samuel grows up next to the high priest, learning directly under him in the house of God, in the place where the Ark of the Covenant is, and he sleeps not far from that room uh, every night. So this is the person that God has chosen to be the next judge, to be the next prophet. And he's a young boy, and he's studying under the, pro- the priest at the time, the high priest. And the high priest has no vision and can't see and can't hear God anymore. And God has been quiet which is always a direct correlation. When God's leaders stop listening to him, it's amazing how quiet God gets. He's not going to fight us all the time. So this is the entry story. Make sense? All right. So here we go. Let's get into it. It says in verse 3, The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying in the house of God where the ark is. Great. So we'll catch up. Um, Now move on to... Uh, Verse 4. This is where we're going to get into it. It's kind of cool. Then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Isn't this great? Have you ever been there? When you're a kid, like literally when you're asleep, when you're a parent, this will happen to you if it hasn't happened. You will be dead asleep, and you'll feel something. I don't know how to explain it. You just do. It happened to me just a couple, at my 15-year-old daughter, just a couple weeks, like 6 in the morning. She, she comes in, and I, f- I, I just feel like somebody's staring at me. And I kind of open my eye, and there she is. She's like, Dad, duh, and she asks me for whatever. And I'm, I don't know if you can explain it, but it's this like moment when you're dead asleep, and your child is there, and you know they're there, and they're just standing there. And they're, they're just... And when they're young, it's even more kind of freaky. You know? <laughs> and I picture Eli just being totally asleep, because obviously he couldn't see anyway. And he, he's laying in bed, and Samuel hears this voice that is God, and he runs to Eli, and he's like, yeah, I'm here. What do you want? And Eli, this is great. Eli's like, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. Which is, that's the tame version probably, right? He'd be like, go to bed, right? So he went and laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli again and said, here I am. You called me. And Eli says, my son, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. (laughs) Happens twice. This is great. As if not enough emphasis. So now Samuel, it says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. What does that mean? He doesn't recognize God's voice yet. Okay? It's not that he doesn't know who God is. It's that he doesn't know him personally yet. He doesn't understand that this is God calling him, which is, we're going to get to that because it's one of the key points here. So a third time the Lord called, which is, I like get so much encouragement from this because sometimes there's this God with me. Like, it's the first time I'm like clueless. Second time I'm like, like, he's like, Lou, you know, the third time. Sometimes it takes a couple, you know, even the prophets. And he said the third time, Samuel. And so Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And then, 
Eli realizes that the Lord was calling the boy. Ah, so Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. And the Lord says, oh, here, hold on. Sorry, I got to get my little notes. And the Lord came to him and stood there, calling at him, or calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Let's pray. God, we, we want to gain some knowledge from Samuel's life, these early stages. I pray that you teach us through your word, and we connect to it. Uh, my words are great, but they're not going to give anybody in this room anything. But your words can speak life and direction and purpose and meaning. And so I pray that you do that, God, today in Jesus' name. All right. So here's the story. So Samuel is in the house of God. He's studying under the high priest, right? He's living the right way. In chapter 2, verse 21, um, it even says that Samuel had grown in the favor of the Lord and the people. So Samuel is living the right way, in the right place. You with me? And he hears God's voice, but he doesn't recognize it. So it's possible to be living the right way, doing the right things, hearing God, and yet not recognize it yet. Are you with me? So it's possible for you to be doing the right things and yet still struggle sometimes hearing God's voice and recognizing it. And it's not because you're wrong or you're a sinner or you're not where you're supposed to be or you're not doing what you're supposed to be or your past stuff is like all messed up and that's why God doesn't speak to you about where you are right now. Are you with me? This should encourage you. <laughs> it should be like uh, an exhale moment. See, we, sometimes hearing God's voice is a journey. And it's not, and the reason we, so you're there and, you know, who, who walks in the room today? Some of you are single moms, single dads. You're struggling, right? You come to church, and I know what it's like to bring four people to church. I know, because I used to have to the worst part about being a preacher is you're going to, you know, is the moments when you fight with your wife on the way to church, and you're like, I can't even get here, and I'm the preacher. I'm like, God, you know, you have that guilt, you know, uh, great, like, what do I got to say? Like, oh, I can't even get to the church because I have four kids screaming in the back, you know, and uh, sometimes what we do is we look at our lives and we're like, well, God doesn't speak to me because of this anymore, or I did this or this happened, or I don't know why I can't hear from God. I've been asking God for something for so long. You know, I'm alone, and I want to find somebody, and I've been asking God, but he doesn't hear me. Or I need a job. I need help. I need this, right? My, my kid is crazy, and I don't know why, and what do I do? You know, or my marriage isn't where it's supposed to be. God, I've been praying forever, and it just doesn't want to change, and where are you? You know, I've got somebody sick, I've seen all this stuff, right? We're all there. We're saying, God, where are you? I can't hear you. I don't understand you. And then what do you do? The first thing you do is it must be me. 
if I was just better, if I was just more spiritual, if I prayed more, if I went to church 13 more times this week, then God would speak to me, right? And we do that to each other. But it's encouraging to me to know that Samuel is right in the place he's supposed to be, right with the people that he's supposed to be. And he's hearing God's voice, but he doesn't recognize it. I thought, wow, that's me. Sometimes, God, I don't hear it. I hear you, but I don't even know that it's you. You might be saying the same thing over and over to me, but I didn't know it was you all along. And it's not because I'm not good enough. It's just because this is a journey. And what's crazy is Eli, who has heard God's voice, initially doesn't recognize it in Samuel, but eventually says to him, the guy who's supposed to be leading and isn't, who can't hear God anymore, and eventually what what God actually says to Samuel, which we'll talk about in a minute, is I'm going to take Eli out because his kids are terrible and he's been like leading my people bad. So that's the message that God wants to say to Samuel. And Eli is laying in bed because he's asleep. He doesn't even realize God's even talking. And Samuel keeps coming to him, and finally he's like, listen, this is God. Why? Because he knew. Even the high priest, who wasn't even where he was supposed to be, remembered and learned and knew that this was God speaking and directs Samuel and says, look, next time you hear this voice, answer, here I am, Lord. Just answer it, because that voice that you're hearing isn't me, it's God. So Samuel has to learn how to hear God's voice. How's your hearing? Sometimes we have to go to somebody. Have you ever sat with somebody and they started to tell you what's going on in their lives and you're like, oh, yeah, that's God. Like, I, I know you might not see it, but this is how God works. I know how God works. I got a buddy. We started working out a year ago. His name's Tony. And because uh, I was fat and out of shape. And uh, we hold each other accountable. And as we did, the first couple of weeks that we worked out, he told me, Lou, I'm, I'm an agnostic. And I don't really know if God's there. But if he is, it doesn't really matter because he's not, like, doing anything. And that's how our relationship started. And I was thinking, well, that's fine. So over the course of the next year, I told him at one point, I said, listen, if we work out and you hang out with me, we're going to talk about life and we're going to talk about God. It's just going to come out because I can't help it because it's just who I am. So I just want you to be upfront and honest with you that, like, this is going to come out. So if you feel like I'm being, like, really preachy or talky or whatever, just know that it's not that. It's just that I am going to talk about it because it's who I am. So I figured, you know, be upfront, be real. Don't trick them. Like, ooh, I'm going to get you really close to me and then I'm going to attack you with God. You know, I'm, I'm like, no, I'm just going to tell you up front this is going to happen. And my kids will laugh because they know, like, they know I do it all the time with them. I'm like, how are you doing? And I probe, you know. I, I could, I'm one of those people that people tell stuff to, just the randomest stuff. Like, I'll be sitting there, I'll ask two questions, and they'll tell me about their whole life, you know. And so my buddy, I said, this is who it is. So, but in my head, I was like, if you're going to hang out with me for a solid year, like four days a week, Dude, it's gonna, you're going to change because I'm going to challenge you. It's just going to happen. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, you're about to be ruined. Good or bad, you're either going to not like me or you're going to like me. And after like six or seven months, we were talking one day, and he starts just opening up. And he starts pouring out all the stuff. 
and I was talking to him. We were really honest with each other about life. Um, it was the coolest thing because this kid who a year ago told me that he didn't, he was an agnostic. Last week, uh, we were end of our workout, and there was a couple kids we had talked to, and we got to know because we talked to everybody. And he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna go talk to Ravon," and I'm like, "Cool." And I said, well, I'm going home because I'm tired. I get home. He calls me. It's like now it's like 1230 at night, and he's texting, blowing up my phone. He's like, can we talk? Can we talk? Can we talk? And I'm thinking, like, I'm dead tired. What, what did you die on the way home? You know, like, car accident? Like, what? So I call him. He's like, hey. He's like, I talked to Ravon for an hour, and we talked about God, and I poured into him. And he just starts telling me all the stuff that's going on in Ravon's life. And I had this moment. It was funny that I was talking this message because I was like, Eli to Samuel. I'm like, what's my job? My job is to point out the God who's speaking in your life that you didn't recognize, but you heard. And once you learn it, then you get to go do that for other people. You with me? What's the story? Yeah, Eli wasn't living perfectly right, but let's just say he was. He still has the same role. Sometimes we need to be the person who helps somebody else hear God's voice and recognize that this is God speaking in their life. And sometimes we're Samuel and we need a little help because we're not always locked in. And God's speaking to us, but we don't realize it. We don't even know. So the rule, the roles here, as the story unfolds that you've been talking about, it's not just these ancient stories about Old Testament. It's about today that you're Samuel and that in lots of ways we're Eli because we're helping people. That's our role. That's what we do. That's the beauty of the story. Samuel, once he learns to hear God's voice, guess what? He doesn't have to keep going back to Eli every time and be like, Eli, is that God? Is that God? Is that God? No. He learns to hear God's voice for himself. And then he begins to grow in that. But there still could be times that you're looking at your life and you're like, I need help. I need guidance. I need direction. This interaction is, and that's why I started with this story about God coming down. He is here and he is initiating and he is speaking. Just know that already. Our job is to learn to respond, not to initiate. You don't have to take God with you. Missionary, John, John doesn't, Jonathan doesn't take God, you know, overseas to Asia. He doesn't take God there. He's not his job to be like, God, come on, man. There's all these people over here, and they need to know about you, right? He goes there to tell and reveal to the people the God who has been at work all along. You're with me. Such a key switch. See, if we're trying to get to the point where God is doing all the or that we're doing the work, and if we just do everything right, God will finally talk to us, then we're missing it. God is always initiating, and we're always responding and helping other people to respond. That's the story, right? That's what God is doing. So fast forward, the last part here. So then in verse 11, and I thought this was a really cool little thought. And the Lord says to Samuel, and I didn't even care what he said. I wanted you to hear when, he, when Samuel finally responds and realizes, hey, this is God. You know, in verse 
uh, 10, the end, when he says, speak, for your servant is listening. Guess what? The Lord spoke again for the fourth time. And this time Samuel was hearing it. And he says, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke from beginning to end. So this hearing and this, it keeps going. In chapter 8 of 1 Samuel, you have the people, Samuel gets old. Now he's the older one. He's the prophet, but he's old. And the people call out and they say, we don't, we need a king. It's one of the saddest chapters in all the Bible. Give a read. It's like this sad chapter where the people just choose instead of God, they, they want a king. So God gives them the king, King Saul. And Saul has this moment initially where he's called and he's picked by God, and then he doesn't listen. And he ends up at the end of his life, here's how far Saul goes. In order to hear from God, he goes to a witch. <laughs> and he, he actually is like, I can't hear from God, I'm going to go to this witch, and I want you to talk to God for me. Call Samuel from the dead. And oddly enough, Samuel shows up, which is a whole weird thing. I don't know. I don't know how all that works, but it's fascinating. Again, back to this hearing and listening and responding. When we do it, when we listen, when we respond, we can learn where God wants us to go and stay on the path. You know, it finally takes a shepherd boy on the side of a mountain, you know, who plays his harp and writes songs and sings to God. It takes, and you're going to learn about him next week, but it takes this little shepherd boy with a sling and a stone who eventually leads the people to where they're supposed to be. It's fascinating. Is it not fascinating that God chooses David, and David is out taking care of sheep on the side of a mountain, and he writes half the Psalms that we have, right? So I would argue What's the difference? Samuel hears from God and listens, and he guides the people. Saul doesn't, and then David interacts with God directly. There's this, how, so how's your hearing? How are you hearing? And AJ, you can come up. It's the most important skill. And so I want to encourage you, back to my parking lot days, 1997, October, I'm sitting in the parking lot, and I'm praying, and I'm asking God, do you, I come to this church, this Victory Life Church in Stowe, Ohio, or do I go somewhere else? There's about three other options on the table, and God spoke to me, and he was like, this is the place you're going to be, and I remember thinking, there's like 15 kids here. First, my first youth service was in this room, and they played this game where uh, they all ran around, and then they stopped the music, and the girls would jump on the back of the guys. And I was watching it, and I was thinking, well, the guys like this game. I don't know about the girls. <laughs> and I was watching it just like, really? You chose this? <laughs> like, like, this is what I got? And so that began a story and a journey. I've laughed, but Pastor Matt spent six months to eight months. He would lean on the chair in youth service when we would sing worship like this and look down. I'd be like, what's up, Matt? 
That was him, man. It was like hard as a rock. <laughs> like didn't want to be there. I was like, this is awesome. Thank you, God. You know, spent six months staring at teenagers, and this is what they did. I would drag the entire soundstage from here to the youth, to the little room over there every week. It took me five hours to set it up and two hours to tear it down just because I couldn't stand not having music, and we had nothing in that room. And every week I would do it. And for six months, teenagers stared at me like this. And my guitarist, who couldn't play at all, thought they were awesome. They were terrible. And I, my wife would look at me, and she was like a really good musician, and she'd just shake her head. One day, actually, we, we saw this girl and this redheaded guy. Um, they were like, I don't know, in their early 20s. And uh, one of them, the girl's name was Amanda. And we were like, hey, you want to come and sing? <laughs> and she said, yes, I still don't know why. <laughs> and her redheaded boyfriend said, slash fiance, I was like, hey, you want to run sound because you look bored? And I just recruited him. Finally, he gave in. Fine, because I needed a sound person. He's actually standing over here. I don't know if you know Tom. And Amanda was standing right here <laughs> singing with you tonight. <laughs> so when God told me all those years ago, the 97, hey, I'm going to impact this group through you. I want you to come. They weren't kidding. The, the fruit of the ministry from the years I was here is almost difficult to, like, comprehend if you only understood. They brought up a couple of them. Between the years, there's 20 to 25 kids in, in ministry on some level from those five years. I get calls still today from people whose lives have been changed who want to tell me what's going on. Some of them are like, you remember that one time when we went here and we did this and I don't remember? I have no idea. I'm like, I do not know what you're talking about. Um, because we learn to hear from God and then God does what we only could have dreamed possible. But you got to hear it. So my... So we're going to close this out today, and uh, as we do, I want to ask you, how's your hearing? Have you been hearing from God? Are you like Samuel, and you just, you're not sure? Maybe God, you feel like God isn't even speaking, or if he is, you can't recognize it anyway. Can I tell you that you can hear it, and he is speaking, and he's been speaking, and you can learn to hear it? Are you, like, in need of help and you need an Eli in your life? Find one and tell him what's going on. But secondly, and I'm going to use Eli here because we know God, but there's so many people in our world who do not recognize him, and they need an Eli to point out the God who has been speaking to them all along. Will you be that for them? So sometimes you're Samuel and sometimes you're Eli. God, I pray today as we close that if we're Samuel sitting in this room and we just struggle sometimes listening and hearing from you, you know, we have longings. Um, I'm sure there's people in this room who are looking for someone to be with. They're tired of being alone. And that's real. And that's a pain. And loneliness is tough. And they've been asking, but they don't feel like you're listening. They don't feel like you're speaking. 
or there's people in the room who are struggling financially, struggling with their kids, struggling with life, struggling with jobs, struggling with whatever, and they don't feel like you're, listening, that you're speaking to them, God, would you speak to them today? Would you, would you help them recognize the voice that you've been saying all along? Would you send someone to them to point it out? Because you are at work, and you are speaking, and we've got to learn to hear you, and that's a journey sometimes. So help us on our journey. Help them on their journey. And God, I pray for those in this room who have friends and family and even marriages, and they need help, but they need somebody needs to speak into those people's lives, and we're this person that's supposed to do it. Help us, Lord, to find the Tonys that we can spend our life pouring into who need us to point out that you've been at work in their lives all along, and they didn't even know it. And we reveal you to them. Help us to be that Eli for them. Drop people into people's hearts' names and, and, and family members that they can speak your words into, that we can share who you are with, because that's an incredible joy as well, to impact people and have them open their eyes to you because of something that we were able to give to them. That's the calling that we learn to hear from you and then teach other people to hear from you. So speak and do it, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning before we close, can we just please stand? I encourage you, don't check out at this point. We have an opportunity this morning.